I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Beta Rank College Football Statistical Model, and your home for Pac-12 gambling advice. This is Brian Conger. Thank you for joining us. And another simulcast, the simulcast, we're going podcast we're going uh to our youtube page sharpcollegefootball.com um where is our website and then of course on youtube sharp college football where you can catch this video presentation if you want to see it thanks for joining us we're going to get right into this you can follow us on twitter at 12 pack radio you can check out our youtube page sharp college football you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere on podcasts where you can find them google play tune and radio etc etc we're going to start because oh my goodness we're actually going to have a pack 12 football season and rob the president of the beta rank college football statistical <laughs> model. You got to be over the moon, man. How are you? I, I I'm, I'm excited. I beta rank actually had a pretty good weekend, uh, last weekend managing to go 62% against the spread, uh, despite like some huge, I mean, beta rank is slowly catching up on Miami rather than quickly catching up on Miami. So that on its own really like, uh, hurt the absolute error for the model against the, uh, against the spread. Um, but yeah, I mean, great weekend, and I'm, I'm really, really excited for there to be teams I care also care a little bit more about. I mean, I care about all teams in college football, of course, running a, a model on them. But they're all our um, children, Rob. They're yeah, all our children. <laughs> but the, uh, the you know, the Pac-12, of course, is the the conference I follow most closely, and I I am excited to be sort of counting down to, and also just because I mean, college football just doesn't feel the same without the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and the Mountain West, you know, playing. I mean, the MAC too, I guess, like MAC on Tuesdays, right? Like. <laughs> we had a little bit of uh, Pac-12 action and Mike Leach bringing the noise with the air raid to Mississippi State, but uh, that is neither here nor there. We'll probably talk about that a little bit at the end. What we wanted to do is start and open up with, uh, since we're having a Pac-12 season, a lot of players have left their programs or transferred. And, and if you didn't check the last podcast out or the last video, we went through all the Pac-12 South teams and the transfers that happened, the opt-outs, how that's going to impact each team. But really, Rob, the big picture here are the opt-outs in the North. You have a lot of really big-time players that decided not to play. One caveat here is it's possible that some of these players can jump back in. There's a couple of Ohio State players in the Big Ten that uh, were going to go to the draft and then decided to come back once they realized that the Big Ten was going to have a season. So we'll We'll keep our eye on that. But as a whole, we actually had more subtractions this last week now that we knew we were going to have a season yeah. than we had additions, which is kind of a bummer. But, you know, you want to see these players go out and make money. Um, but it's our job here to kind of keep track of those uh, losses and see what the impact was. But, Rob, the North really is where the story is rather than the South. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, we talked about this and, you know, it, it feels like forever ago. We were previewing the season we thought would be relatively ish normal. Um, you know, that we had, we were confident in three units really coming into this season. And, you know, there were some, there's some holes around them. You know, we were confident in the USC offense um, with what they had coming back and how they performed last year, uh, the Oregon defense, and then the Washington defense. And, you know, we covered some of the losses on the, you know, the USC offense, you know, comparatively, they've been light when you look at what Washington has lost and what Oregon has lost on those defensive units in particular. And even, you know, a, a team that I think people are pretty high on coming in, um, like Cal coming in, they lost, they lost a major piece on the defensive side of the ball. So the North has really taken some hits um, on the units that we really expected to be the bedrock of the best teams in the North. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Oregon, right? Let's start there three major pieces of their secondary. They lost their two starting corners, Thomas Graham, uh, Diamador Lenore, and then they also just lost their nickelback, Javon Holland. And I, I thought their secondary was great. Obviously, people paid attention to the front. You had Fat Mac. You had like yeah. a really fun uh, pass rush. You had um, Kayvon Thibodeau, and you had Mace Funa, and just, just a lot of energy up in the front. But it was really the secondary that also stepped up and made Oregon such a, a dominant team in the Pac-12. And to lose their starting three cornerbacks. Now, if there's one team... Oh, I would actually say Washington is the one team in the secondary where if they're going to have losses. They've shown an ability to replace those losses. Uh, but Oregon has really caught up to that on the recruiting front. So there's certainly going to be players that will have to fill those roles. And they're players with pedigree. But when we were taking a look at our power rankings, basically, of the Pac-12, Oregon obviously was was 1A, one, one and their really 1B was, was further down the list. And... 
and we'll get to Washington also on that front, but that secondary Rob is going to get kind of, uh, he's going to be really unproven and um, we're going to have to really trust that uh, defensive coaching staff. And obviously with what Mario Cristobal has going on with that program. Um, how does this change your projection of Oregon? I mean, we had, I mean, beta rank had Oregon projected at the number two defense in all of college football coming into the season, right behind the Georgia Bulldogs. And I, you know, this really, I mean, you spend most of your time in nickel anyway. I mean, Washington, I think, played 70% dime last season. So, you know, you're, you know, against spread offenses, you're going to have that third corner on there. To lose your top three corners is a, a major hit because you're not all of a sudden talking about, hey, maybe you move your nickel corner, you know, over and, you know, somebody else steps in. Like, you're you're losing the guys that spent the majority of the time on the field as starters. That That's a huge hit. And it's not just that, you know, the, oh, yeah, like any, any team would be hurt by losing their top three corners. Oregon's in particular were, were very good. And you can make an argument, you know, among the, you know, and I think that there are some folks, that, you know, some Oregon watchers that we, we, we talk to and trust that really like what they have going on behind. But I, it feels a little bit like some of the arguments that they have about, you know, the fact that they're losing, you know, they're at this point, their entire offensive line. Like, yeah, you like what you have. It's totally, it's relatively completely unproven and mileage will always vary, right? When you have, right. So you may like the talent, they may like the talent that they have coming back behind there, but like these, they're losing guys that are, are, you know, project to be draft, you know, drafted at least on the second day for the most part. When you, when you have those kinds of losses, you know, you don't expect to be like fully in replace mode. I mean, LSU, as we saw, you know, coming into this week, I mean, they recruit as well as almost anyone in college football i mean it's really yeah. only georgia they lit up by yeah. jake costello oh, yeah. I mean, like so i mean you, i mean lsu obviously like they had the best corner in the country and Derek stingley out but it's it is you know lsu had a, brought in a bunch of like really highly recruited guys you you know you'd be hard pressed to argue that you know that yes some of it of course is that they have a new defensive coordinator Bo Pelini who's a little bit of a risk with that hire but you know there's there you know lsu has very good, very highly paid coaches. And those guys kind of stunk, you know, <laughs> out there in their first game, right? I mean, it's it true. was beautiful to see Bo Pelini and that sourpuss face back on the I field know. just being a dick to everybody. So I can, I mean, I, there was a little bit of joy in that and the fact that Mike Leach was really just uh, running roughshod over there. It took a little while for that offense to get going, but uh, Max Meyer, who is a, a member of 12-Pack Radio, one of his big plays actually was he was taking the points, the 16 and a half, uh, and they ended up covering like outright, which is pretty crazy. So hopefully yeah. you put a sprinkle a little money on that money line, Max, but yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But it's, I mean, like even look at Alabama's defense last year with the injuries that they had coming to the year, particularly their linebacker position. I mean, Alabama, no, I mean, they're the best recruiting program in the country consistently and you know they plugged in a bunch of guys that were incredibly highly recruited talent that you really like guys that you know at the end of their career when they go pro at alabama will likely be you know first second round draft picks you know they weren't that they were good they weren't great you know at times last year they struggled you know with some of those younger guys that they had to plug in so like i just had like or this this hurts right i mean you may like the talent you have behind it but like there's i don't think that there's any like i let us not go down the addition by subtraction, you know, route here. Like th this really hurts losing your top three corners from a very good defense last year and a very good secondary. I mean, they're they're it, And it is going to, this is going to affect their pass rush too, because the, if you really want to help your pass rush, like get some good corner, I mean, get some good coverage guys, some guys that can play man, really. I mean, um, and Oregon's, you know, they're going to end up having to, to be a little more creative, I think on the back end, uh, than they were looking to. And they're also going to be just in just paper thin uh, back there as well, right? I mean, Oregon now you're looking at, I mean, you have to almost worry about their ability in some cases to to be able to get through a lot of their schedule uh, on time and under budget, if you will, because they're going to be, you know, the, you know if, if they have any kind of holdouts in the secondary, you know, for, uh, you know, COVID testing or injuries or something like that, like, I don't know that they're going to be able to feel the secondary with the, you know, the kinds of losses they've had. That's, that's the kind of thing you really do have to watch out for too here is like, I mean, Oregon, you know, it, it's a tight window. The PAC 12 is trying to fit a schedule into there's not, you know, bye weeks really built in, you know, Oregon's now has a, you know, an important position group with, with not a, not a lot of scholarship players, you know, hanging around anymore. 
Yeah. And you talked about the loss on the offensive line, losing a ton of start. Like actually I, I would say like five starters. Cause you had a couple of people that were coming in as uh, technically they were on the sidelines, but they would, you just see them all the time on the field. And then again, now you're losing your sixth with Penny Sewell, who was uh, arguably the best player in college football. He's my bet for it. Um, that's a huge devastating blow too. Now, one of the things to keep in, uh, in mind, one of the things that you'd mentioned too, is our friends from Oregon. So one of those friends is Hippleday, whom we talk with uh, often. He has been talking about the shift from that smaller offensive line to the more road grade, bigger guys. Let's just run, like run up the middle. And also like, you know, it's not that, I mean, that's a stereotypical view of what that offense is, but, but they are, they do want the bigger guys. They do want to yeah. be able to try to grade that road and just move those, those sticks forward. So the one good thing is Mario Cristobal is an offensive line guy. Obviously is where he's got to start. Uh, he has recruited very well to his system on that. So I am not poo-pooing. I mean, obviously, Penesul, gone, big deal. The entire offensive line, gone, big deal. The silver lining in that cloud is I do think for a, from a system perspective, they're getting the guys in that they want to get. But still, yeah. Rob, I mean, like anytime you lose Penesul, doesn't matter what program you are, that that's really going to be a, an issue. No, I mean, they're really, you know, there are only a handful of programs that I think you can make a legitimate argument are able to sort of, you know, full on do replacement, right, without having any fall off. You know, Alabama, Clemson seems to, for the most part, be able to do it. Um, you know, a lot of other programs, I mean, like we just saw with LSU, aren't in that category, right? Like, they, they're not there. Oregon hasn't shown us that they are, right? So, I, I'm, you know, I, my expectation is that, you know, Oregon's still going to be very good. I would still, with the Moorhead hire, I still like them in the north. But, you know, their their margin for error has shrunk considerably, you know, here. You know, there's... There, you, you know, th these are the kind. This is the kind of thing that, especially in the early on, in the early goings, if they, we don't have the schedule yet, you know, this is the kind of thing that could cut like a, a big mistake could cost you a game. I mean, that 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 could easily happen. Yeah, when you have like seven games to play, kind of a big issue yeah. when we're trying to get a team into the college football playoff. I mean, I I think that any optimistic Oregon fan would have argued that this wasn't the year for Oregon to make it to the college football playoff. I think it's in the coming years, but still, you know, anytime there's a shot, you yeah. want to be able to keep your best talent. It just really sucks because I really wanted to see these players on the field because they were awesome. And, and just, it was really fun to watch Oregon come into its own last year. We had some questions about them just because of the coaching staff. We just wanted to see it, right? We said, okay, we see the talent, right. we see the coaching staff, we see the vision, but let's see this in practice. And boy, howdy, did they show up and do that. Um, a couple other players from Oregon to, to just mention in terms of transfers, Darian Felix, their running back leaves. I don't think that's a big deal. They have a ton of people behind. Sean Dollars is actually a player that uh, is like third on the depth chart and ended up was like a blue chip running back just to show you the depth they have at the running back position. Yeah. And then Brandon Schooler, ends up transferring over to Texas and we just saw him play um, Texas Tech in one of the wildest games of the weekend. Uh, I think one of the things with Brandon was when he first transferred to Arizona right. uh, after when he when he transferred out of Oregon, I actually thought they were going to put him on defense. And uh, so I was surprised to see him back out there on offense for Texas. But um, at the end of the day, really not a backbreaking uh, departure from Oregon on that front. Any, anything on those two guys before we move over to Washington? No, no. I mean, Schooler was a Schooler was the one that you know at least saw some playing time, but he had really you know been beaten out by younger talent that they had coming. I mean, I, I think you still hesitate to say Oregon has you know like you know class of the Pac-12 type wide receivers going, but the talent had gotten to the point where I think Schooler was going to struggle to see the field. Yeah, they're doing better in recruiting those wide yeah, receivers. Absolutely. But it's certainly, I think if you ask any Oregon fan last year, going into that season, what's the weakness? One of them, you know, I think 1A would be the wide receivers. And then you actually had players step up and really actually yeah. played quite well. It was another surprise there for that offensive system. So definitely hear you there. Let, let's move to Washington here. And we talk about big players losing or leaving, you know, Levi Amuzarike. The, the big guy on the offensive line, gone. He just announced uh, last week. That's a big hit uh, for Org uh, for Washington. Then Joe Tryon, the, the edge rusher, that really yeah. just put up a lot of stats. I'm looking here. Um, and again, pardon, we're, we're still working through the video here. But we got the stats. We got the stats. So Levi yeah. Onwuzurike, 45 tackles, 6 tackles for a loss. But Joe Tryon, 41 tackles, 12 and a half for a loss, 8 and a half sacks, and a pass breakup. So, I mean, I think those are the two big names that stood out for me on that front. We'll go through some of the other losses here, Rob, when it comes to Washington. 
And I guess I'd mentioned Trey Lowe, who was, I didn't think was going to crack the rotation with that new youth of wide receivers coming in. Yeah. If Puka Nakua comes to mind immediately. Um, but uh, so he goes over to Oregon State. I'm curious to see if he actually ends up playing there, which would be uh, really fun if he sees the field immediately. I would assume he will be. Um, but that one I would put way, way down. I mean, it's it's Tryon and it's on Muzurike. And, and those are the two really stories coming out of Seattle so far. Yeah. And those are massive. I mean, those are massive losses. I mean, you might you deal with those guys, you might put them up against Oregon. I mean, for pure impact in the game, Onuzarike is, you know, potentially a first round draft pick. Uh, I mean, he's, he really put it together, I think for them, um, you know, and, you know, try on those are, that, I mean, that's their, that, that's their pass rush. That is, their, I mean, uh, Onuzarike is also incredibly disruptive at the run game. Um, you know, you are all of a sudden too, because Washington um, you know what they, they do rely on, you know, playing those two deep safeties, you know, they can play, I don't want to say call, I don't want to call it like super soft coverage, but they can, you know, it, there, there is some, something available underneath more against Washington, uh, than there is deep, obviously with those two deep safeties, you got to get to the quarterback in a hurry. You can't have him, you know, sitting around with a lot of time to pick you apart underneath. So it's, you know, with Anuzurike out and trying out, like, I, I think Washington, you know, I, I think their losses actually are heavier. Yeah. Um, and this is a defense. Yeah, that, I was going to say that, too. It's like, uh, I mean, inside linebacker is a problem, right? Yeah. So, and then you lose your top edge rusher and you lose a guy that's getting that push up screening for your I, linebackers. Yeah. Well, and I realized, too, when, when you look at Washington, they have recruited really well on the defensive line, but I have not seen it yet and I want to see it. And right. so I'm more worried about what they're doing rather than what we're seeing at, at Oregon. I mean, like I'm also wasn't really worried about Oregon too, but, <laughs> but I mean, it kind of gets to that one thing where it's like, ah, that if, if and we were talking about this with our previews and by the way, we're going to go through all these PAC 12 teams. Um, and now that we know the, the games are coming up on the seventh, the week of November 7th. So we'll have some time to do some team previews and we've already really kind of done these. So it's, yeah. it'd be fun to, fill in the the pieces now but you're going to really have to rely on some younger talent the edge i'm not as worried about like trying was good um yeah it was very good i do think they have some people they can move over there but it comes to the detriment of that linebacking core and that was that was really kind of the issue with washington last year yeah absolutely i mean i i think this really really impact i mean both of these i mean trying too though i mean like getting to the quarterback get it you know he's He's, a, he's an obvious loss, and it is, it, it's is—it's the same argument you have with Oregon, right? It's like, you know, yeah, sure, you may have some guys behind them that are pretty well recruited, but you were counting on these guys for this year. You've been developing them. You know, you really, you know, you were expecting to, to have them come in. Washington was projected at number four and on defense and beta rank. I mean, this is, these are, these are huge losses to two defenses that projected top five nationally coming into this season and, you know, the projection model. So, I, I I mean I think Anuzurike is the massive I mean just massive loss because they have I mean he he also cleans things up so that other folks on the team you know because he often requires a double you know may require a running back coming in to chip him um, you know he can free up a lot of you know the you know the rest of those players and now you also don't have Tryon coming in off the edge I mean it, it's Washington this is a this is a big Washington's defense they're they're going to be fine I mean the, the defensive yeah. coaching staff is excellent. Um, you know, I, and I, I like, uh, I mean, I, and, you know, regardless, I mean, where, where, the, where this may hurt them, I still think that they're able to contain, I mean, Washington's defense excels at containing explosives. Um, you know, I, I think that where this potentially hurts them though, is that they you know, their drive efficiency number, um, you know, they, this might make them a little easier to put long drives up against. So I, I, I mean, this is the North, I mean, we, you know, USC with their losses, I, I think certainly there is, there's a, you know, and, and, you know, there's a window that has cracked a little bit more in the South. I think the North, you know, I think with these losses, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it where, you know, I think it's, I mean, I, I think the window is cracked again, but maybe a little more because I think these losses off of those really, um, really solid units, you know, like I'm not, I'm like, I'm not going to like put money on Cal or anything like that, but you know, I, I mean, I, I, I do think when you look at these losses, I mean, these are tough to these are tough to, to process, really, and be able to, to be where you're at, you know, projecting them to be. I would still 
make Oregon and Washington the heavy favorites. In oh, the yeah. North. oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's a crack. I mean, it's a little, <laughs> I mean, it just puts them down a peg in terms of like, there could be another team that jumps up and bites them. I think that's the way that I would put it. Where like, th- I think this is going to cost them each a game at some point. Um, in addition to whatever they were going to lose, just because that, that talent was so important. We just kind of covered why we thought that was important, but, um, I, I would still put my money on but- Oregon. I would still put my money on Washington. I think there's still a gap, particularly with what happened with Cal. I guess we right. can talk about that. Uh, now, I mean, right. losing Luke Paquette, well. like that defensive line at Cal was bad. Right. Um, and, and you could run up the middle and now they lose like their big guy, their tackle Luke Paquette, who transfers over to Boston College. And one of the things that I was really down on Cal, I remember like, and, and I, we had a listener talk to us about this and they were right where we always brought up the 11 and one prediction that came out from like the athletic or something, which is just bonkers. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, most other uh, magazines and the Las Vegas books, they all had. Uh, Cal around like seven and a half wins, and when where we when the, yeah, it, it, when the higher projections came up, there's been some ten and tens and elevens. The first thing I thought was like, yeah, but they lose Luke Paquette and um, I forget the other uh, lineman right now, but like they they were going to lose two Deontay Johnson. Uh, they were going to lose those two guys, and then they came back, and I said, okay, like now I can get the seven and a half, maybe the eight if you really wanted to squint. But losing Luke Paquette is such a big deal. 52 tackles, four tackles for a loss, two pass breakups, two forced fumbles, but really uh, somebody that could get a like uh, whatever push that they had. Right, <laughs> like He was a right, part of it. Right. Um, and now they're going to rely on a, a true sophomore who, frankly, is more of that bigger defensive end than a tackle. And there's really nothing behind that. And that is really worrisome for me if you're a, a Cal fan. Um, in addition, you lose Cam Bynum, who was a, a really solid cornerback from them, likely to be drafted in the NFL draft. 63 tackles, uh, three tackles for life, nine pass breakups and an interception. But more importantly, somebody that you could throw on, you know, the 1A wide receiver for, uh, you know, oh, I don't know, USC if they had yeah. to play USC and he's gone. Th- those two losses are, are kind of uh, kind of a big deal, Rob. Yeah, well, and they're already losing Davis and Hawkins too, right? I mean, it's their 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 losses here are substantial. Uh, you know, they did struggle. I mean, where they fell off immensely from the year before, of course, was that they they really struggled, as you mentioned, like stopping A and B gap runs. I mean, they just didn't have anything up the middle, and that's even with Evan Weaver behind them. Yeah, you know, and Dan. I mean, they they've got some they've got some pieces that you like ish but now i mean they're replacing three out of the four of that very talented secondary that they had that hurts uh you know a lot and uh you know i mean i the the buying piece i think for cal along with the issues that they've had you know and they really fell off you know pretty significantly last season they were not a you know they were on the bad side of middling on, on you know as a defense last year uh you know not not anywhere near you know where they had been the year before um, you know, if all of a sudden Cal struggles, you know, to defend the pass, um, you know, as well as having, you know, still that same vulnerability up the middle. I mean, this defense could be a this defense could be a not a not a strength. This defense could be a weakness for this yeah. Cal team. Um, I mean, add the defensive coordinator stuff. I mean, like just that. Like, oh well, he's kind of the the defensive coordinator, but not really. Sermon's going to call the plays and. Uh, that just doesn't like one of the things too to mention is a lot of people talk about Cooney Dang. He was uh, a guy, I think, out of Independence uh, uh, Junior College in Kansas. He was a five star uh, commit. And if you if you talk to the film guys, like Hitler isn't a big fan of him. He said he was yeah. out of position often. Now he had a ton of tackles, but you can have a lot of tackles running backwards. Right. <laughs> you know, like that, that is so, you know, I. I'm going to keep more of an eye on that moving into this season. Frankly, I didn't watch it. I mean, I watched a lot of Cal football, but I wasn't focusing on Dang. I was focusing on Evan Weaver because it was just fun to watch him play. Uh, So I'd really like to see what happens with Dang uh, moving into this year. But that's another just kind of something to keep an eye on and a warning flag about, like you mentioned, is that defense going to be a, uh, a hindrance to them? Because I think the offense will be in pretty good shape. Yeah, I really, I mean, and, and I say this like it's part of the reason you would say that it's a crack, really. I mean, just a small crack in the north is like, unlike, you know, the, the you know, contenders in the south, Utah and Arizona, sort of, or Arizona State behind USC, you know, the losses that, the losses that Cal also gets are substantial, right? Yeah. And then, and, you know, they really hit in a, in places that, uh, that really hurt. I mean, so they're, they lost the, they also lost their very good defensive backs coach that, you know, had really, you know, coached up that secondary. So it's going to, I mean, Cal is a, is a big wait and see for me on the defensive side of the ball coming into this season, uh, you know, given, you know, their regression and then these losses, I mean, it's, th- this really hurts. 
Rob, if, and I mean a big if, the quarterback at Oregon State can get their act together, uh, <laughs> like right? Like now, now we're talking, and we'll get to them, right? They don't lose a ton. Hamilcar Rashid has not declared for the draft. And right. if they, if the, even if the JUCO guy steps in, um, you know, and ends up actually being the starter there, who was a four-star JUCO out of Saddleback College, which is right in the heart of Southern California, where you have a lot of really good talent uh, being played there. And if he actually gets it together, or if it's um, and the, the quarterback escapes me right now, Rob, who's the guy we always make fun? Of? Tristan Jebbia. Yeah, Tristan Jebbia. If yeah. Jebbia has like any semblance of being a solid quarterback, I'm not like. Oregon State isn't winning the North, but if you're placing bets on Oregon State at the beginning of the year, you're seeing a lot of these like 10, 15, 20 point spreads where, you know, the 24 dog is, is either winning or barely, like barely, uh, you know, almost covering uh, in terms of being able to win that game. And Oregon State might be a team that I'm kind of, uh, I'm just going to keep an eye on them because we might be able to make uh, another round of betting on them like we did last year because they made us a decent amount of money last year just because the coaching staff's there and they actually have some pieces on defense. I mean, they're they they lose some on the offensive line too. Is I mean, they, like their their big big losses are on offense, which was the engine of that team last year. And their special teams were actually really really good too. Um, but that's where I mean, for for Oregon State, yeah, like all of a sudden they are sneaky intriguing because uh, I mean, Washington State, we you know texted a little. Bit, I mean, you texted me like you know like do not <laughs> like on on short practice like washington state picking up all of the intricacies of the run and shoot which is is in some ways aims to be uh simple like uh the air raid except that it requires that you very much be on the same page <laughs> right yeah. like Plus they um, lose all their depth. I right. mean, like, and we'll we'll get to them in a second. One one thing before we jump over to Oregon State and Washington State, um, I do want to highlight some of the other players that left Cal. So yeah. uh, Johnny Adams, a running back, meh, like take him or leave him. Um, you know, wish him luck as he transfers elsewhere. They do lose an offensive lineman and a Chinidu uh, Aguayu uh, over to Illinois, and then they lose a couple linebackers and Dion White and Joseph. Uh, uh, Okwabongo over to uh, teams that have not yet been mentioned. So, like, I guess really outside of those two, right, Cam Bynum and Luke Paquette, really not losing a ton. But again, same thing with Washington, right? Not not losing a ton after that in terms of depth. But ooh, yeah, man, gosh, that it hurts. Really, you know, when it stings, it stings. Right? Yeah, those are those are some big losses. Those are ones you don't want to have. Okay, let's talk about Oregon State, but let's do it right after we talk about our partner, which is MyBookie. Uh, MyBookie has been sponsoring 12-Pack Radio and Wildcat Radio for a really long time, and they're offering our listeners another crack at their promotion, which is being able to double your initial deposit. And if you are a sports gambler, and you know, we should be doing that, um, it is a really a good book. I've used the promo before. It, it actually works. You put in the promo code overtime, uh, double your first deposit at MyBookie, and uh, you can really, I mean, obviously college football is going, NFL is going, uh, the NBA playoffs are rolling. Uh, if So if you want to get in the game, if you haven't started to uh, get into the the sleazy parleases and making some sweet wagers, definitely check out MyBookie. You can check them out at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code OVERTIME to double your first deposit, up to $1,000. Double your first deposit. Um, it's really, and I like shopping around. I have a couple books that I use, so it's always nice to be able to shop those lines. So if you have one book and you want to start with another one, uh, use that promo code. Take advantage of that offer. And then OVERTIME, the network that we're a, a part of, is actually going out all in for our listeners we're giving away $500 in cash to somebody that has used the promo. So if you actually use the overtime promo and you get that double deposit, take a screenshot and email it to overtime at advertisecast.com. That's overtime at advertisecast.com and uh, get inside that $500 drawing. See if you can win that sweet, sweet cash. And if you do win, send some over here to 12 pack radio. All right. All right. Back to the program here. Back to the program. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, Rob. Oregon State. Um, I kind of like Oregon State. We just talked about them a little bit here. I'm going to bring it up. Now, they do lose some pieces. They lose some pieces. The big one, actually, was a piece that they lost before COVID hit, and that's Charles Moore. He was that Auburn 
um, defensive end that had transferred over to Oregon State. He's leaving. So that was kind of a bummer because when we were talking about the front seven, we did a bunch of podcasts going through each team's units uh, and kind of highlighting the stars on that unit. I actually kind of like the front seven for Oregon State. They're not like elite, but it's it's not a bad unit. Yeah. Uh, but that had included him being on that uh, said unit. So, uh, not, you know, one more piece that Hamilcar Rashid doesn't have to um, uh, doesn't have to rely on, which is kind of a bummer because you kind of wanted to see that as they headed into what should be a monster season for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he set up again to have a, another big year. That piece that that hurts though. I mean, Oregon State uh, over you know has made a, a little bit of a living on on getting some transfers. You know, Dennis Erickson was good at that when he had them rolling. Um, so they it is a place where you know if you can recruit guys that aren't working out at very big programs, um, but they. It, it much like the Colorado transfer from Alabama, it just did not work out. And I, I don't even know if he ever enrolled. <laughs> I don't know either. Actually, that was one thing that I was trying to see is like, it was, so was he officially kicked off yeah. the team forever or is it just until we really knew to him? I mean, I don't, I don't quite know what's going on there at Colorado, but I will keep an eye on that. But Charles Moore certainly was an issue here. One of the, a couple of the other players that they lost in Corvallis. So tight end Isaiah Smalls transfers to Idaho state. Um, they do lose another defensive end in Connor Warwick, who um, really just didn't put up a lot of stats. Well, I'm going to tick off a lot of these players, Rob. The The issue isn't that these are key players, it's depth. And when we yeah. talked about COVID and we talked about injuries and just the inability to get every practice that you want to in, you're going to have people that are going to get the, the virus, unfortunately, as we move forward. So just keep a mind out for that because they lose four safeties. <laughs> Trajan <laughs> Cotton. Over to Montana, Jeffrey Manning to Montana State, Key Wetzel, um, who has not announced the school yet, and Omar Hicks Onu, who actually was somebody that played a decent amount at Oregon State. That would be the one that I think hurts a little bit. He goes to Montana. So four safeties out. They also lose Isaiah uh, Tufauga over to Hawaii, who didn't have a huge impact on the team. But again, uh, you know, when you're losing six or seven pieces from your defense, even if they aren't the top people, although I would argue that uh, Hicks Onu is, is certainly somebody that would, would sting if I were a fan of Oregon State. Uh, man, it's just that secondary Rob wasn't all that good this this past year either, and now they just lost about four four pieces yeah. of it. No, and you think of I mean the, I think of like the Arkansas State game where they went to Kansas State and they were shorthanded. I mean they had ten players out due to COVID or contact tracing. That kind of like you're going to see something like it may not hit Oregon State, but you know it, you're going to see that more throughout the season too, is that teams are going to be down substantial personnel, and if it's sprinkled, I mean. Where it's hit particular position groups, you've seen games canceled or postponed. Um, you know, if it you know if it ends up sprinkled across the team, you could just end up very thin. Uh, you know, for the position groups coming into a game. So yeah, it's absolutely something to keep an eye on for this Oregon State squad. I'm a big fan of them, though. So let's let's keep an eye on those lines here. And I'm sure Baderank. You know, it'll be interesting to see what Baderank does, right? Because. Gosh, like there's no preseason, there's no you know non-conference games. It's just kind of like it is what it is. But um, when those lines are so big, that might be a team to start keeping an eye on. Let's move over to um, the longest ones we have, and uh, that would be Stanford. Um, oh my gosh, it is. I mean, like, even before it was the exodus out of Palo Alto started, like while we were all in quarantine. I mean, maybe even before we were all in quarantine. I mean, but wow. It's wild. And, and one of the things uh, from the Stanford fans that you heard was, well, everybody needs to get their transfers in in order to be academically eligible or in order to do X, Y, and Z. And uh, they just ended up leaving. <laughs> like, right. know that, that story on like what happened hasn't surfaced yet. Uh, but certainly if there was some sort of technical glitch in being able to get players back on campus or change their major, whatever it was, whatever excuse that was given, there was many of them. Um, those didn't really come to fruition. So we just saw an exodus of Stanford. Now, uh, one of the beautiful you know ideas of uh, visual mediums is that I can show you. So Rob, um, now, if you're if you're listening to Twelve Pack Radio, you you can't see this, but Rob, I'm showing you my notes, and like so, Stanford starts uh, <laughs> here, and then I had to skip over and then go back to Stanford. There's so many players on this <laughs> list that have transferred out of the program, um, but really, the big one, Rob, is is Walker Little, the starting left tackle that was. Uh, it in wasn't place. KJ Costello. <laughs> what well, <laughs> I think. <laughs> key, could key be. of the 600 and what was it 20 yard 23 yards passing <laughs> oh you know you get a good offensive coach rob and uh and that's what happens i mean <laughs> finally, take a look at Gardner. you finally uh, got to play in a modern college offense oh god that was the, the best quote i've heard so far you know and it kind of reminds me you have gardner Minshew, right somebody that yeah. got buried at eastern carolina he goes uh he's going to be the third string 
uh, or fourth string quarterback at Alabama wants to get into coaching and Mike Leach calls him and says, do you want to be the leading pass thrower in college football next year? And, yeah. and now look, starting at Jacksonville it really just shows you that a system can bring out the best of players as long as it's the system that fits your skill set. So right. I'm glad you mentioned that because obviously we have a new quarterback in, um, in Stanford and it's somebody that Max really likes, but Walker Little was injured last year and certainly yeah. his injury was a big problem. He got injured, I think in the first game, um, and this is a like, th- there are a lot of, um, I've been listening a lot to uh, Quack 12 uh, podcasts where Hitler Day is like going through the tape on some of these, um, on a lot of the offensive linemen. And, you know, he'll kind of break down, hey, like this guy, you know, his technique is good. And it's just stuff that if you're watching a regular game, it's kind of hard to, to focus on. And one of the things that he was highlighting was really Walker Little, when he was on the field, really, really good. There were some other five-star players on the field that were either injured or haven't really had their act together and stuff. But it seemed like of all the the solid pieces, Little was one of them. And now he's gone, right? Yeah. You have... Um, Henry Haddis left. He went to ASU. Right. Uh, Devery Hamilton goes over to Duke. Dylan Powell goes over to Indiana. These are all offensive linemen, by the way. Um, and and you take a look at that line that wasn't good in the first place Rob, last year. No. And my goodness. And it's not like David Shaw has been lighting the world on fire, recruiting solid offensive linemen. He gets one here or there, but it's not like that class that he brought in with Walker Little. It was like eight five-star offensive yeah. linemen. That, those days are behind us. Yeah, I mean, Stanford really has struggled uh, profoundly, I think, since Mike Bloomgren moved on to be the head coach at Rice, um, both as, you know, he was the offensive coordinator and the line coach. I mean, I think they've struggled to really put together a good line um, since then. And, it, it, you know, they haven't been able to run block terribly well. Um, the pass blocking has, has, has mostly been there. Um, but, yeah, Little was the, the real bright spot on what had suddenly become a very pedestrian offensive line for them. And losing him is huge. And then all the guys you just mentioned, I mean, those are guys that have some, had some playing time, you know, had seen some, had seen some snaps and they're not going to be there. Right. I mean, and that, uh, that is a big concern, I think, because if, if you talk about what Stanford really struggled with, I think last year too, was, you know, they really did struggle, I think, to pass block a little bit more than I even expected with little out. Um, You know, I I think Mills, you know, he's good. He's, he might have a hard year this year. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's he's lucky that like Anuzarike is gone, and like he better you know he better be lighting votive candles that like Hamilcar Rashid like opts out. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, he's gonna he's still gonna have. I mean, that you know, he's still got to go play Oregon. I mean, there's gonna be some. He's gonna have some trying times. Uh, you know, uh, this season, I think. KJ Costello, obviously we just mentioned left. Jack Richardson, who I don't think was ever going to see the field, but quarterback transfers. Yeah. Um, they lose Trevor Spates to Notre Dame. Uh, I was never super impressed with um, Spates or really that running game after Bryce Love, like you know, couldn't get past his offensive line. It's really been um, a pedestrian running game. Although they do bring in a lot of really good talent this this year. You know, we talked about like the the days of the five star offensive linemen being behind us. That there have been some good pieces that David Shaw has brought in on offense. We'll see if they're able to put it together, but Spates wasn't really going to be a big part of that offense this year. So him departing, isn't that big of a deal. I think the thing that's really important here is the defense. So we talked about the offensive line, the big guys there. And when we talk about like, it's, it's super cliche, but it's important. Like the guys in the trenches really matter. And particularly in college football, if you can build your, if you can build a good defensive and offensive line, your program's going to be at least pretty good. Um, and if you make mistakes and you have a bad quarterback or bad coordinators, like sometimes just having those big guys in the trenches is important. And you take a look here, Rob, like Michael Williams transfers to uh, Southern Methodist, uh, Javon Swan over to Indiana, Bo Peak, who goes to University of South Florida. He was somebody that was, you know, like didn't play a lot, but certainly was a player that was in line when we're taking a look at depth here. And just to, to give you an idea, right, Michael Williams, 24 tackles, six tackles for a loss. Javon Swan was really good last year. 32 tackles, eight for a loss, five sacks, two quarterback hurries, a forced fumble and a pass breakup. They're gone. Bo Peak is gone. Uh, or Bo Peak, my apologies. Bo Peak is gone. Um, that defensive line certainly didn't light the world on fire last year, and kind of like the offensive line now, Rob, uh, down two or three pieces that uh, the, from a squad that really didn't get it done last year. Yeah, I mean, their problems on the defensive line go back. I mean, we've covered this extensively. I mean, I go back a couple of years. It's a, it's really a concern, I think, that for them though that they have these losses. And then if you look at where these guys are transferring to, I mean, none of these guys. I mean. None of these guys transferred like a name. Pro- I mean, Indiana is the best program that 
any of those guys <laughs> transferred to. Uh, you know, and I, I think it really last year too, I mean, I, I really like uh, Dwayne Aquina, their defensive, you know, backs coach. I think he does a really good job. I think his job has become incredibly hard, um, you know, because I think his guys are often getting left out to dry because I don't think Stanford is generating necessary pass rush to help out their, their coverage. Um, you know, and I think we saw that a little bit in that UCF game, although UCF did go absolutely right at those corners, um, you know, last year, I, I, I mean, no. Paulson Adebo looked not, uh, like the elite Mortal. prospect we had yeah. anticipated going into that game. Um, I mean, to be frank, I mean, there's, there are, you know, the UCF, UCF would light up quite a few Pac-12 programs, but I do think the, uh, you know, I, 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 I mean, I'm concerned, I think, about what the Stanford defense, they were, they were bad. I mean, they were very bad last year, uh, you know, and to have these losses, you're not, t- you, we're not ticking off names where you're, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, they're losing that guy. That, you know, that guy was amazing because frankly, like other than Adebo on this defense, there was no one that really stands out as like, oh my gosh, that guy was amazing. So I don't, I mean, you're now losing guys with experience that you needed to have staying in the program, continuing to mature and develop, and, and they're not there. A couple other players to keep a lookout for here um, that weren't as big of a deal. Uh, Anthony Trin, who was a linebacker, ended up transferring out. Um, Obi Ebo, who was a cornerback that saw the field a little bit, transfers to UCLA. Three pieces of good news, though, is you had Andrew uh, Petrus, who was the uh, uh, safety. He returns. Uh, Thomas Schaefer, defensive end, returns. And Scooter Harrington also returns. They had actually wanted to transfer and then ended up coming back to the program. So they were part of that like laundry list, you know, like where they yeah. roll out the scroll and it keeps going and going and going. They were on that list and they have since come back. So at least some pieces there for Stanford. But man, I mean, this is a team that won four games last year and um, and they're going to have uh, a little bit of time to prepare. California is further behind um, in terms of allowing teams to practice. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it might be a tough year in, in Palo Alto. Um, we got one more team here, Rob, and that's Wazoo. And uh, talk about a laundry list of players here. Uh, not all of them are uh, huge, but I think I think some of them are. So you know, quarterback John Bledsoe leaves, and you know he was like third in line. But I really want to go into the wide receivers because one of the things that we were talking about when we were going through our previews of these Pac-12 teams is like, oh well, you know, like at least at least uh, Wazoo has a bunch of receivers that could adapt to this program, yeah. <laughs> this new offensive system. Not so much anymore. They lose Tay Martin who um, was really one of the deep threats there, one of the bigger wide receivers on the team, 564 yards, four touchdowns. Roderick Fisher, somebody that had uh, 265 yards and a touchdown, he's gone. Cassidy Woods, the player that had actually recorded Nick Rolovich uh, and was part of that uh, discussion, he leaves the program. And they also leave, they lose um, Mike Petaway. So four wide receivers gone, Rob. And now we're starting to look at depth. And I think one one thing that, that we should give... Mike Leach credit for is at the wide receiving position, you know, he'd bring in one or two really solid four stars like a year. Uh, but, but it was the people behind them that ended up just really stepping up. I mean, like Brandon Arcanado is like yeah. an example of like, who the heck is this guy? Oh my gosh, he's awesome. as a walk on. Right. Like, so you take a look down at some of these other players and now you're starting to like, now you have to implement a new system. And you have a bunch of wide receivers that possibly could have filled in for said system and they're gone. And there's the, the cupboard is, there's still a couple players here, but um, not necessarily as confident about that offense as I was, you know, three weeks ago. Right. Absolutely. I mean, and this requires, you know, guys that, you know, are going to be able to step in and, and be able to, you know, accomplish, you know, the, the you know, what the run and shoot asks. And we have a, you know, we have a great podcast on that, that everyone should go listen to if you want to get into it. But, you know, I, I, I am concerned that they're, that they are not going to necessarily have the depth, that they're also going to have guys that, you know, right now, I mean, maybe don't have enough time in college football to have the football knowledge to easily transition between the yeah. two systems, right? That is kind of a concern, too. So, I mean, you're right. I mean, Mike Leach seemed to be able to roll out, you know, whatever three-star wide receivers that he had recruited, and they would be great, right? I mean, and then they would fit his system. Um, you know, whether they're going to be able to do that along with, I mean, and we've talked about this, the transition that the offensive line is going to have to make. You know, a, a quarterback that's not going to have to transition to a new system as well, where they are going to have to do more, you know, you know, more reading of the defense than you have to do in the air raid, frankly. Um, yeah, this is going to be interesting to see. Whatever prop you can put on um, 
uh, who's the wide, who's the running back there? That's awesome. Oh, Borgie. Yeah. Yeah. Max Borgie. Yeah. When we did, when we do 12 pack radio, usually I'm like Googling names when I need to remember and I can't do that on video. So yeah, like any props you can put on Max Borgie getting like a gazillion yards, I would, I would certainly oh, yeah. um, sprinkle a little bit of money on those wagers because he's going to have a big year, particularly with a lot of these wide receivers out. And then I think, you know, we talk about depth and let's go down on the defensive side. They lose uh, defensive back Skylar Thomas, who who really had a, a big year for them. Uh, their edge rusher, Cosmos Quite, who has a great name. Um, he's also gone. Uh, Daniel uh, Isom is gone. And like, I just want to go through. Uh, and by the way, Wazoo fans, if I mispronounce somebody's name, please let me know. I know, Ryan, you're out there, big listener of uh, 12 Pack Radio. So my apologies. <laughs> but there's so many names that we've had to go through very quickly here. Uh, but Skylar Thomas was a starting safety, 72 tackles, four interceptions and three pass breakups um daniel isom uh 40 i'm sorry 30 tackles two pass breaks breakups and two forced fumbles and then cosmos quite uh 20 tackles and then really was just trying to push and get um some rushing uh getting some quarterbacks to rush out of that pocket there so three you know pieces of that defense that uh really saw a decent amount of playing time they're gone but really scholar thomas is the is, is the story there because he was uh, really slated to have a solid year and and he now departs the program rob yeah and this defense stunk i mean it really stunk last year i mean there's, there's no other way to, i mean this defense was bad um and you know all of the t- all of the turmoil they finally get in you know somebody that you can really look at and and dickert the uh defensive coordinator that they brought over from wyoming um that you think could maybe put it together for them and it's gonna it like they are gonna have you know less talent to work with you know in that first year i think it could be an interesting and tough transition for them um as they try to to move over to it so i mean it's it's really interesting because you know if you're like when we get to talking about like you know like you know, the, the schedules, you know, and everything for the Pac-12, like the the North all of a sudden has become a little less imposing in a lot of ways with some of these losses yeah. and the transitions. Um, you know, like they're, the, 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 you know, I would still put the three worst, you know, consistently the three worst teams in the Pac-12 have been in the South of late. But man, like there's, there's some, there's some serious downside to those last three teams that we've talked about on the tour. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would throw Wazoo possibly in like the bottom, certainly in the bottom quarter of the conference and yeah. Stanford has a chance to do that. I mean, they were in the bottom quarter of the conference last year and now they lose a lot of players and, oh man, like I, it, it could get really, really ugly. So, um, Man, it'll it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think the the quality of play in the Pac-12 this year not going to be the best. Not going to be the best. It was but, already uh, going to be a year where you were looking at it and saying like, ah, you know, like we're probably. I mean, because the, the thing of it is, is when you look at this and you know, even coming in with the teams that were projected, like none of them look to be good enough to win on a really bad night, right? Like if you have you know a two three turnover night, are you still good enough to beat a, a, you know an average team, right? You know. I would have put Oregon in there. Um, Maybe. I mean, two or three turnovers, two or three turnovers will get you. I mean, like two or three, like say against like Cal or something like that. Like, do you think Oregon wins with three turnovers against Cal? Probably not. The defense defense was so good. I mean, it doesn't matter anymore, right? Right. That that was why we were so bullish on on Oregon. It's like, oh man, that defense comes back. My goodness. At least they could stay in games if they screw it up. It's true. Um, But they also, I mean, like last year, Oregon wasn't good enough to win on an off night. I mean, Arizona State, you know, they have. And so there, I, I think, that, and it's not like Arizona State was some amazing team last year. So it was, I, I think that, you know, when you look at, you looked at it, you're like, all right, we've got some, you know, there's, there's nobody that projects to be in that range, you know? So you're looking at like, you're hoping a team gets lucky to make it to the playoff, right? That, you know, they have that kind of, uh, that luck where they either don't get hit with a bad night or if they get hit with a bad night, it's against a team that is so bad that it doesn't matter. Um, that, I mean, that's out the window at this point, right? I mean, some of these teams, their margin for error now is like even smaller. And so, you know, what this could look like, particularly as, as we've seen, because I mean, I, as I, I think as we've seen with the, 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 the small amount of, uh, of preparation that teams have been able to have coming into this, I mean, Texas A&M is a team that had a lot of, you know, ter- you know, you know, players opting out or injuries or, you know, like, a little bit of a roster turnover coming into the season on what should have been a very stable, you know, starting 22 for them. Man, they really struggled in that. I mean, but it's that kind of thing where like, man, if you're A&M, like they could a lot, if they weren't playing Vanderbilt, they lose if they play that badly. Right. I mean, like, yeah, that is, I mean, it's not that there's like a ton of like, you know, it's not like murderers row, but like, 
you know, if some of these other teams in the South could push up to the middle range, I mean, you're not going to like, you know, you're not going to be able to beat ASU this year playing, you know, that badly or like beat Utah or Cal. I mean, like you're going to, you're going to, you're going to lose. So yeah. Um, No, I I agree. I think the big thing that we'll be talking about next uh, show is going to be the schedule, right? That schedule is going to come out. We'll yeah. go through and kind of walk through you know, what, what teams we think are going to benefit. And uh, t- we actually didn't do the last one because I didn't think we were going to play. And uh, surprise, they, we didn't. <laughs> so I'm glad we didn't waste time yeah. doing that 10-game schedule. Uh, I just wanted to see uh, some guarantees that we were actually going to see that schedule play out. And we did not. But we'll make sure to do that for people that are listening. A couple more players here at Washington State. So Feave Feave, who was a linebacker there. He's gone. Another linebacker, Dominic Shells, is gone and then again some more depth on the safety front shannon moore uh, also departs so uh you know just just something to keep in mind right if you're losing more more players than most teams it's going to at some point impact yeah. uh, your rate of play just because of uh i think we're going to see some injuries and we're going to see some contract tracing stuff so um okay four that's four five six six defensive players depart the program at Washington State. So we'll keep an eye on them. Rob, really the big story, though, is the fact that we're actually going to have a college football Pac-12 season. (laughs) But hey, let's talk about that right after this. Uh, Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio. And we're going to have a a conference season, Rob. I... um, a little bit later than was reported at the beginning, right? I think people were looking at the week of Halloween, but pff, I'll take what I can get, man. If, right. if we're going to get seven or eight games and we're going to get them um, in the first week of November, uh, bring it henceforth. I'm just glad that we're going to, and, and I think the Pac-12, again, to their credit, is in a better position than most of the other conferences to actually put their players, uh, you know, in, a, in as safe of a position as possible to play football. I mean, we saw Texas Tech devastated with COVID. Um, LSU, you know, the coach basically came out and said, yeah, everybody got it. And then we, everybody's just like oh well they're in a better position now i'm like that's the worst possible way oh to look gosh. at this problem like it was so stupid some of the stories about uh the, the lsu program there and um and look what happened right like they got waxed um right i wouldn't say waxed but they they lost and and like the better team won that game um you know you look at clemson and and just a lot of these programs ohio state some really marquee programs that ended up really taking a lot of risk with their players and um, and they are going to have a season and they'll have a season sooner than the Pac-12. Uh, but now with all these rapid testing, which which is really what the Pac-12 officials said uh, was the game changer for them. Uh, I'm just glad that we're going to have a season. What did you think when you heard the news? I mean, I'm really excited. I, I think the Pac-12, you know, deserves some credit here too, because there's, you know, as we've seen, the, I mean, with the number of games that have been canceled, I mean, in just this last week, it was five, I believe, games that were postponed or canceled. On a small slate of games, I mean, it's a small slate of games, right, <laughs> out there. It is, uh, I, I think when we look at that, I just, I think it's pretty evident that the three days a week testing and the testing that the other conferences are doing right now isn't adequate enough to, to keep, really keep it, keep the numbers down. Yeah. Um, in particular on the contact tracing, right, on uh, on that element, right, the, the fact that they're in between positives, they have at least two days um, of contact going around like that is just knocking out too many players so the Pac-12 has an opportunity I hear not only to for the safety of their players um, you know to make sure but to also make sure that they're able to get through the you know the, their slate of games um, you know because they are going to have you know it's day like they will see you every day for testing that means that you won't have to go through two through two days worth of contact tracing if somebody tests positive right like yeah. just a much simpler simpler uh way to approach it i think for the pac-12 and i i I, i'm in it like i i am excited i feel like they're with the and the commitment that every player that you know tests positive is going to get the mri scan uh for the cardio mri scan for their heart i mean it you know which we haven't necessarily seen again in all conferences i mean the pac-12 i think has for the more than most um you know and the big 10 has too but you know, more than most been able to really put their money where their mouth is and, and actually taking player safety seriously. Yeah, no, it's, it's been great. So what are, what are the details here? I The week of November 6th was what I heard, the weekend yep. of November 6th through the 7th, I think. Um, wh- it's six what games. The games. Six, okay. So yeah, I had to go back, like, because I, I, they had put, Pac-12 does a seven-game schedule, and apparently that's actually counting the conference championship game. So it is a six-game schedule, 
and then there will be a conference championship game. I hope they also come up with like the Big Ten has talked about doing a uh, a seeded uh, game that goes with, and I'm like, why wouldn't yeah, that? like a bowl game almost, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, like, like, yeah, you, yeah. like every, you need another game anyway, right? I mean, like uh, to to be able to make some more revenue potentially. So, oh, you um, know that Colorado Arizona game is going to bring in all the money. No, no, it would be seeded. You'd play somebody from across, like the you'd play somebody in the north, right? Like, so you oh, play okay, yeah, your yeah, yeah. opposite number. I mean, how awesome! They, like, you'd at least have like mildly competitive games. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. But it'd be, I mean, I'm excited. I mean, it's, it's a, like, but it does, and it does really, you know, they're really going to have to work at now making sure to try to balance out what your draw is. Um, yeah. You know, because <laughs> yeah. all, because all of a sudden, right? Like, I mean, if you're, if, if, like, if you, if you're USC and you get Oregon, right, you know, and ASU gets Washington State, you're like, you're kind of looking like W, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, man. <laughs> but the flip, I mean, but you could flip it too, because I mean, if you basically gave USC, Oregon State, or something like that, then um, you know, or Washington State or Stanford, you're, and then you know, if you gave Utah and Arizona State, like Oregon and Washington, like all of a sudden, like the 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 it's written, like the, the it's decided at that point how this is going to turn out. Um, or, I mean, the same of it goes, I mean, you really can't give USC to either Oregon or Washington because you couldn't give USC to both. Yeah. Right? Um, it's it's going to be weird. I mean, and, and there's going to be a team that gets screwed and it's just going to happen. I think oh, that's yeah. the, um, so hopefully they, they make it like Arizona or Colorado or, or Stanford or something, you know, let the good teams, you know, um, you know, sail through to some extent. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, like, I like, what, what are you going to do? You know, like, I think it's just, it's just the season. We're just happy to have football. Here's a question for you. Um, would you go to a game, right? If, if you know that it's 25% capacity, um, and, and, you know, like, let's say it's like $40 a ticket, uh, would you go to a game? Take take aside the fact that we are like for my family in particular right now because my seven my my seventy plus year old in laws are helping us out with watching my son so we're like still okay. super careful. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, we're in yeah. our little pod in the Conger family, right? Yeah. Like, like we have all you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I would I would love to I would love to go to a football game. I mean, yeah, I I, I think I would. Um, you know, with the condition, I mean, cause you see, I mean, you do see it on, I mean, outdoors is obviously safer than being indoors. I mean, you, I have been disappointed, however, like it, when it cuts to the crowd, how few people are actually wearing masks, like consistently. Right. I mean, it is sort of, um, it is sort of like an exercise and like, wait a minute, folks, like, come on. It's like that, uh, they, they put together, they juxtaposed, there was a picture of that and I, you'd seen it a bunch of times. Um, coming into the season, that Georgia Tech game from 1918, and they had a picture of the stands. The stands are pretty full, but every literally everyone in the stands is wearing a mask. Oh, <laughs> I haven't then, seen that. Then they had a picture of a Georgia Tech game, and the like at the current, and like everybody has their mask around their neck. You're just like, come on, <laughs> just like if they if they spread it out, yeah. Um, you know, and like you can kind of walk away from some of the other people. I like so I'm about an hour from Eugene uh, and just to go down to an Oregon game and just check the but just I mean, it really does. I think the capacity really matters. If it's 50 yeah. percent, I'm not going. If it's 25 percent, they're really enforcing it. The one good thing is I, I think that it's really the stu- I mean, it's also it's not just the students, but the student sections worry me the most because they're jumping up and down, they're yelling and screaming, and they're all yeah. like packed together. Um, I'm going as far away from that section as humanly possible. Love the student section. Big fan of the student section during a non, a non-pandemic, <laughs> yeah, global pandemic year. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see which schools allow players to come and which ones don't. Or I'm sorry, uh, fans. I thought the Pac-12 does... wasn't going to allow fans. Oh, they weren't. Yeah, I mean, like, and I, I'm almost positive, like, I mean, like some of the schools, I mean, California, Oregon, I don't okay. think are going to allow any fans. I mean, maybe Arizona would, but I think, the, I mean, if you were going to pick, I mean, among the Pac-12 conferences, you know, states that might allow fans, Arizona would definitely be at the, the yeah. front there, right? Yeah. I mean, it is, um, but I don't, I don't, I think the Pac-12 might not be allowing any fans uh, uh, in the game, so. I, I get it, you know, like, the, it does make a difference, though, when you... Um, even when if it's like 25% filled again, I think we brought this up uh, before, but like even that Austin P, um, central Arkansas game, like just even, it sounded kind of like a high school game, but at least gave some 
um, reaction. And I, I want to give like, it's, uh, particularly Bill Simmons is like just been crapping on the NFL and their leadership and all this stuff. The NFL's done an excellent job putting together a season. Like I, oh, I yeah. you, you could talk about the injuries and stuff, but the fact that they have that many players and they've implemented a system that like, you know, they all have their little watches on and stuff. And you can't do that in college football for everybody, but like all they, they've hit so many notes, uh, on, on foot. Like I watched this, NFL Sunday. I watched a ton of games today and it was really fun. Like it was yeah. almost the same. It's just when they zoom away and you see the empty stadium yeah. uh, and like the piped in crowd noise is kind of funky, but I would much rather have a 10% filled stadium yeah. with no piped in crowd than no crowd and piped in noise. It just, it gives it a little bit more of an organic feel and that's what you get from sports. Cause you, you don't know what's going to happen and that's why we watch. So um, yeah. who knows? I just, you know, take that for what it's worth. I, th- I think the, the, the key thing would be um, keep an eye on whether or not there's actually going to be fans in the stands. Cause it does give it a, a nice feel. Um, yeah. And, and I'm not rooting. Like I, I'm just glad to have football. So I'm not like going to plant my flag on that, but um, it would be something that would be nice if, if, if we get to a point where we can bring in fans, I, I hope we I hope we do um, as long as we do it responsibly and they actually enforce some of the stuff because they they are not enforcing that no. with the co- with the college students. It drives me nuts, and I'm like, I just I just want these games to happen. Can we please let them happen? <laughs> like, you're not helping these games happen. <laughs> but um, well, anyway, um, like just good news all around. You know, really really excited for the season. Uh, we're going to continue doing all of our team previews. Uh, I got to talk to Max actually, which will be really fun bringing Max back on, on the show and really want to talk with him from a gambling perspective because he's been at William Hill, the largest sports book in America. And I just, Max is just so good. He picked, I think it was like 63% against the spread last year, every game in the pac 12 and just being able to identify those spots where yeah. like one team is more talented, but this thing happened or, you know, yeah. like I just think he has a really good feel for that portion of the game and to combine that with beta rank i just think it um it gives like a really well-rounded show so we're looking forward to uh chatting with him again and i really think he brings so much to the show um we're also working behind the scenes on some other stuff so stay tuned um we really did like the interviews it's been fun uh bringing on different voices for college football i want to keep that part going so um we're not going to ignore that but as we go closer to the season it'll just be fun to be able to talk actual football games (laughs) rather than scheme and all that stuff so uh in any case well thanks everybody for joining us we'll be back next week we'll be rolling through our um, team previews and uh, any other news that comes down the pike we'll definitely be doing the college uh, pac-12 schedule which will be news uh, next week so a lot to talk about and we'll catch you next week